On this episode of Cougar Insiders Podcast, we're going to break down this Washington Husky uh, game with BYU. BYU ranked number 20th going in there. If they defeat the Huskies, how big would this month of September become for BYU? We're going to break that down. We're going to also talk about the McNeese State victory, kind of kind of let you know what happened, what didn't happen, get our opinion on that, and we're going to make our weekly predictions. That and more on this week's edition of Cougar Insiders Podcast. Welcome to the Cougar Insiders Podcast. This is Dick Harmon. I'm a columnist for the Deseret News along with Jeff Call, longtime beat writer, and Brandon Gurney, also a beat writer who kind of excels in recruiting things and helps us and does a great job. But, fellas, we saw this past Saturday BYU win an expected victory over a uh, uh, McNeese State. Uh, we saw them climb in the rankings, going up five spots. We're seeing now a little bit more of what we know about BYU. They are a defensive team. They are an opportunistic team that can take turnovers and turn them into points. They're a team that looks like a power running team that's trying to pass the ball, Jeff. Is that what we have here? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think that's what uh, we kind of knew going into the season. That's what Jeff Grimes wanted to do is uh, start up front with the offensive line, be able to have a power run game. And mix in the pass, and that's been you know it's been up and down. There's been some good things, but I think uh, you know BYU's not averaging very many yards per completion. I mean, four point three, four point seven, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, that's not very good. No, and there's but they're not trying to go deep right, very much at all. But, either. but when they have, they've missed some opportunities. We've seen some you know Tanner actually makes some pretty good passes, and they've had some drops, and so. I think, uh, yeah, this is a team that relies on defense, and we saw this coming. I think we're going to see this throughout the year because I think BYU has a really good special teams. So uh, Corbin Kafusi make a huge field goal block that kind of sparked BYU's second quarter run. And then uh, you've got a field goal kicker who's consistent. He can make long field goals. So you add that together. I mean, it's the, BYU's winning, but they're doing it differently than – you know, ranked teams you saw from BYU in years past where they're th- throwing all over the field and racking up a ton of points. This is just a different way to win games. We didn't expect BYU to be 3-1 at, at this point. Um, I think I had them at maybe 2-3, and three, uh, you know, at the end of September. Uh, Brandon Gurney, but they have turned into a defensive team. They turned the – they got – they've what, had eight turnovers that they've gained – in, in these games, I think uh, that's made a huge difference in the way they play. But but the other thing is, ranked number 20th, is this a 20th ranked team in the country? Um, a lot of people would say no. The people are saying that they're going to go up to Washington this week and play against the Washington team favored to win the Pac-12, and BYU doesn't have a chance. Once again, this is the same song we've heard all season long, except uh, for the uh, – the Bengali State game, they don't have a chance. Yeah, it's hard to know if anyone's equal to its ranking at this time of the year, but if you're a team, and, and I've heard all the qualifications about Wisconsin, they weren't up for the game, they were overlooking BYU, and that, that could have been true, but they still beat them. They still went on the road and beat the number six team. Um, they had its returning quarterback. They had a lot of returning players. A team that I think is going to be one of the, one of the Big Ten's top teams still. BYU beat that team. So absolutely BYU is a top 25 team right now just based on that win by itself. Arizona, they handled Arizona. McNeese State was meh. That, that's my reaction for the McNeese State. Just meh. Whatever, you know. <laughs> uh, Washington, every, 
every instinct I have, no, this is it. They're 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 going to meet their maker. It's over, right? Kind of what I thought going into Wisconsin. Um, so so who knows with this team with the way BYU's been able to play. I think they're going to keep it close, just with the style. I, it's hard for me to believe that this team is going to just get walloped on the road just just because of the nature of football that they're putting forth together. And I think that defense is absolutely legit. I think that defense is, is good enough that they're going to stay in games. Corvin Kafusi is an absolute game changer. You look at the turnovers BYU's created. I want to go back and chart them because I want to know how many of those turnovers were helped caused by Corbin Kafusi. I know at least one of them against McNeese State was, was yeah, that 6'9 guy, he disrupts everything. It's a very significant impact. And when you look at BYU winning the turnover margin, you, you look at playmakers like Taki Taki and Corbin Kafusi and the impact they're making, and that's a big, big thing. Well, this is a BYU team. Um, I think you look at Wisconsin. Were they the sixth-rated team in the country? If you look at rankings, I think September, it's a little early to tell who's ranked when and where. But if you go by that guideline, if you go by the rankings in the Associated Press, which are sportscasters and writers from throughout the country, they're saying that BYU is number 20th. But it's also a team, Jeff, that is, uh, I think, still evolving. This is a team that I think can pass the ball, but they struggle to do it for a lot of different reasons. I think that they've really concentrated on the power blocking game and the run game. It's been very effective at times. I think in the game against McNeese State, McNeese State, they came out, they threw a big bomb to Gunnar Romney, which was just fractions of an inch away from being completed. They then tried to reverse uh, pitch. Um, to Micah Simon, who dropped the ball. They kind of came out trying to do some funny things. But you could almost sense it that Jeff Grimes says, okay, <laughs> we've done that. We're done with it now. Yeah. We're going to punch <laughs> you in the mouth, and we're going to run the ball. And then the game completely changed. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think, uh, you know, that second quarter, we saw BYU um, go up tempo. And I think that's one of the things that Grimes wants to do is to mix things up. I mean, we see a ton of movement on the line before the ball snapped. We talked about that game, noticing linemen shifting and uh, switching spots and things like that, setting up plays. And then you throw in that up-tempo kind of uh, approach when you've been kind of going slow, and then all of a sudden you you go up-tempo. That really, I think that really impacted McNeese State, the way that they, I don't think they were uh, necessarily ready for it or they weren't used to it. They're kind of lulled into a certain kind of way to play, and then all of a sudden BYU sped it up, and it was effective. They scored those on those four drives with that uh, kind of style. Well, Jeff Grime was asked, um, you know, on coordinator, uh, Coordinator's Corner today, you know, what's the biggest, um, you know, sense of urgency or, or thing that he thinks can happen to this offense? And it was, it was obvious. All of us in here know it. Every fan knows it. It's a passing game. It's got to become better. And he, he pointed that out. Here's a, here's a cut from offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. Anytime you can get a victory, I think you got to celebrate that and enjoy that. Uh, um, not our best performance on offense. We just had the opportunity to make some plays, and we didn't. Plays that we had practiced countless times throughout the week. Um, uh, the first play of the game, you know, once again, we've got someone um, wide open for a deep ball, and we're not able to uh, to complete it. Um, a couple of other times, we had guys open and either didn't have the protection or or didn't didn't make the throw, didn't make the right read, um, the reverse. Um, which was something that we had, we practiced for some time, and, and we throw a bad pitch and put the ball on the ground. Um, we have another fumble during the game in, in traffic and, and just uh, some sloppy play that I don't think is indicative of who we are as an offense. Um, but we've just we've had 
a number of opportunities in these first four games for big plays in the passing game, some that have even gone probably unseen. Um, at times, maybe there was a guy open and uh, the protection wasn't right, so the ball never got thrown or it didn't get thrown um, in the place that we would have liked for it to be thrown. So there's plenty of blame to go around, but there's no question we've got we've to get better at throwing the football and, and hopefully uh, better at completing some deep balls. But as I reminded our team in the locker room afterwards, every Saturday there are a lot of college football games, and 50% of those teams lose the games. And so I think anytime you win, you have to celebrate that and to some extent um, feel like you've moved ahead. Um, and so I, I was pleased that um, that we got the victory, but really um, didn't feel great about how we played the game, to be honest. Uh, just too many mistakes. I've been on the side um, of being at a smaller team that was a smaller school that was able to beat a bigger team or play them really well, and then I've been at that bigger team, that that, that team that was perceived to be um, a better program and lost or almost lost in a very close game because you didn't take the other team seriously. And so... Um, I, I don't. I don't think that was necessarily our problem on Saturday, and we're again certainly grateful to have walked away with a victory. You know, Brandon Gurney, Jeff Grimes knows exactly what this offense needs to do. He knows what the next step is, and you know what? I think it's going to make that step. It may not be this week, but I think it's coming. That was the big frustrating thing uh, uh, for fans and for everyone else. I'm going to touch on this on the message board topic because it's the permitting topic that keeps on going. Why can't be where you throw the ball? Uh, it's, it's exactly what you said. They tried to, and, and I think you saw Kalani Sataki express frustration with the offense. Maybe not frustration, but concern in the post game against McNeese State, where that that was a game. If you're not going to be able to do that again against McNeese State, where you're finding yourself down three nothing, and we're saying, yeah, Corbin Kafusi changed that game with that play. Really, that's what the offense needs to jump start against McNeese State. That's not really where you want to be. Um, so far, it hasn't been a problem. They've been able to be what they are, and and and. That's not the focal point of this team is for the offense to put up those points. But at the same time, you can't do it against McNeese State. I do believe that game's going to come where, where a defense just has them pinned, where, where they can't rush the ball. Maybe it will come this week, maybe against Utah down the line. You have to believe it's going to come, and Tanner's going to have to make plays. Um, and if if you're not making them against McNeese State, when are you going to make them? I mean, we're four games into the year. Is it going to come? I, I believe Tanner's largely what he is. I I don't know if we're ever going to see that guy slinging the ball downfield. I, I do think the wide receivers, with them being so young and developing, maybe that's going to come along because that's been – a, a huge problem is just these guys dropping balls, plain and simple. Um, you saw that pass to Gunnar Romney. That was a good throw. That, that was a ball that Gunnar probably should have come down with. But but still, it's a problem, and I don't know. We'll see if it's alleviated. I, I, I'm not anticipating. I think BYU is what it is. I don't think we're going to see that offense. Jeff, we, we sat in August and, and kind of looked at this team, and we thought we knew what we had, what we could see for the limited practices that we've had. But now we've had four games under our belt. What's been the biggest surprise or the biggest pleasant thing that's stood out to you about this season so far? We're one-fourth of the way through, 25%. What do we have? Well, I think one thing that's been a pleasant surprise for BYU is Squally Canada. I mean, he has – I think there were a lot of question marks going into the season about who was going to be the featured back. And uh, Squally was a little banged up last week, and we saw Lapini Katoa come in and have a really good game. Uh, but I think Squally – I mean, he's made some big plays. Huge plays. Team. I mean, that Arizona game, you could say that, you know, that end of that game where he picked up those. I mean, obviously the offensive line had a huge role in that, but – uh, the Wisconsin, you know, those two 40-yard 
runs were huge. Um, so I, I, looking at I think there's a lot of people doubting Squally going into the season. And to see him play as well as he has has been a very pleasant surprise for BYU. You know, I was asked by some radio people on another Salt Lake City station during the, I think it was spring, you know, what kind of an offense is going to be. And I, I kind of threw this out there, and they were kind of scratching their head. But I said, BYU wants to be a power run team. They want, to, they want to be physical at the point of the attack, and they want to run and pound the ball at people. And the host, uh, I think mean, it was David James, uh, you know, who's a great host, he says, well, who are they going to get to run the ball? And I said, well, they have Squally, but he hasn't proven that yet, but I think that that's what they want to do. But Brandon Gurney, we've seen him have some tremendous runs and some big holes open up. Yeah, and I, but with what you've seen from Lopini Cato, I think you got to just credit the offensive line. I, I don't know if it matters who you put behind it. That offensive line is really opening the type of holes that we haven't seen for a number of years. And Hadley looked good. Yeah. Hadley looked fast. They're making everybody look good. Um, I, I think Lapini Cato is going to be a guy you're going to see more of because Squally's having problems catching the football. And that's going to be continue to be a, a big part in this offensive system. You saw Squally drop what should have been an easy touchdown, and he's dropped a number of passes. Lapini Cato is kind of proven to be that guy. And I think as the season goes on, if Lapini proves to be as adept at running as Squally has, and, he, and by and large he has been, I, I, I think we can, we can anticipate him, him seeing more and more reps from Squally. Jeff, we're getting to the rest of the story segment here. Tell us something behind the scenes, something we ought to know. Well, I, I just think one thing that's kind of been underreported or maybe overlooked a little bit um, is uh, the turnovers. Uh, last year that was a huge problem for BYU, as we know. I think BYU ended up 118 in the country in turnover margin. And after Saturday's performance, they got uh, four takeaways, gave up the ball once on a uh, fumble by Squally. Um, they're 12th in the country. And, and I know it's still early in this season, but to be 12th in the country at this point uh, is a very positive thing. The, the way BYU plays, they need to hold on to the ball. They need to secure the ball. For the most part, they've done a good job. And then to be able to have takeaways is so important for this team. And they've got to have guys that can step up and and make the plays and be aggressive and we saw that couple picks a couple uh, fumble recoveries and uh it made me start to wonder a little bit you know you see this trend around the country uh you got the miami turnover chain i think at boise state you've got the some sort of throne and scepter and i was thinking i don't know what do you guys think should byu implement something so they have like a turnover cougar tail or something like that oh, where please they can, no Something How about Cougar's head? Please, no. Some no, don't do Cosmo's head that pops yeah, off. Yeah, get that and put it on. Put on the head? Yeah, I like that. Oh, that was it's awesome. It's kind of gimmicky, though, those things. But you're right. They ought to be something. I mean, this is a team that had 17 takeaways last year, 17. They've got eight, eight in already. four games. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that that's a big, huge increase in what they do. Brandon Gurney, uh, the cyberspace is out there. There are a lot of things that are going on. Tanner Magnum still finds himself right in the crosshairs every week, whether he does good or not. They're 3-1, and one, they're ranked, but still the guy doesn't buy a lot of respect from some corners. But I think people are beginning to realize he's a game manager. They've turned him into a yeah. game manager. Don't make mistakes. Don't throw interceptions. Don't, don't turn the ball over. Uh, keep drives alive. Let's win, win ball games. It may be ugly. It may not be 50 to at 14 or something like that, but they're getting the job done. Yeah, I, I tried to do some crack research and, and scour the message boards, but that's all people want to talk about. I, it, the BYU masochist uh, tendencies, it's still not gone. <laughs> Fans like to complain, but I, it's, it's kind of a justifiable thing. You, you want to see guys, and what I touched on before, you can't do it against McNeese State. Who are you going to do it from? But but I have to give credit to our editor, Kent Conn, great guy. You know, he brought up that uh, 
all the angst uh, uh, when when Niamatololo was looking to be a real possibility of BYU. No, we don't want to do the option and all that. What's BYU running right now? It's kind of an inverse option attack. It's a very plain, system-oriented, kind of boring, can I say that, attack that just relies on reads. Tanner Mangum's kind of an option quarterback with, with what it's been described and all that. He's, he's doing a lot of his reads based on movements up front. Uh, a lot, a lot of kind of read options with the, with the sprint out handoff to, to the wide receivers and all that. And you're seeing why he won that quarterback job. And, and what do we hear every week? He's doing things that you guys don't realize he's doing. And I completely buy that. I absolutely buy that. Cause you look at the productivity. When, when does BYU run that, that fly sweep where it's just like, Oh, wow, they were ready for that. doesn't happen very often. At least it hasn't. Maybe it will happen more and more as the tendencies become more and more exploit, exploited by, by opposing defenses, by capable defenses, Washington, Utah. Um, but Well, you want the, you want the fly sweep to so. work. You, you want that to work, but it's designed to spread those linebackers and defensive ends out a little bit and to force them to have to be running and, and run and run and run and have to cover that. And then you hit him with the Squally Canada and some other things. So by design, Norm Chow once said uh, to me when we were talking to him, they used to run the, the, the toss sweep. Or they would throw to the backs out in the backfield just right behind the line of scrimmage, a little outlet uh, safety blood, uh pass. And he said the reason we do that is to spread them from sideline to sideline so that we can do the things we want to do. A lot of times it wouldn't work, but they had to cover it, they had to move, they had to be in position, and those linebackers and linemen get tired of doing that after a while. They get tired of having to cover it. It's kind of the philosophy of a a Navy. It's kind of a philosophy as an Air Force is that you force people to do things they don't want to do, get them out of their comfort zone, then you hit them with something else. It's kind of a a punch-counterpunch thing, but it doesn't have to always get yards. Let's go to the recruiting trail. Brandon Gurney, what did you see this weekend? You were spread all over the place. Yeah, I, I, I was able to cover Tim U Corner Canyon and, and I was able to see not just this game, but I've been able to see a lot of the young recruits. And what's interesting is I've seen a lot of guys that BYU's offered maybe two or three years ago. And it's interesting to me to see how these kids, some of them pan out, some of them don't. And, and my first inclination is, is why are you offering these kids so early? Because there's so many unknowns, but when you, Offer any kid, there's an unknown, right? Um, what are your thoughts, Dick, about offering a kid in eighth grade just based on potential? What can that potentially do to a kid? What are the benefits and, and what are the pitfalls? Well, I, I think BYU has to do that because they've been criticized for a long, long time of not getting on kids and missing kids and parents come back and they're complaining. So I think there's been a concerted effort to get to these kids get them recognized, get them an offer, at least be in their home and show their parents they care. BYU kind of has to do that because when they don't, they really pay for it in criticism. On the other hand, you're right. You start giving a kid a little bit of love like that and it goes to their head, sometimes they do not work out hard and they don't perform and they think they've got it made and then you've got a situation in your hand like, now what are we going to do? And there's been cases that, that that's happened. But BYU is in a unique situation with the church and with the relationships they have with people that they've got to connect with them early. And uh, sometimes eighth grade can be a little too early. Yeah, it's it's a scary thing, but every offer is a risk if you break it down. I, I I talked about how BYU is not in the picture with too many top recruits in state, and and we're going to see one of the top recruits in state uh, perform. Uh, for, Jones uh, performed for Washington this weekend. Uh, BYU was never really in the picture with him. BYU, I, I'd like to know 
what kind of strides BYU's making with a lot of guys. I know they have some momentum with some guys that they haven't had before based on the Wisconsin win, and that's a natural benefit to beating Wisconsin. But I think just retaining the top guys could be significant. A guy that I think BYU has to earmark, who's kind of going to be a bellwether recruit in my mind as far as just what BYU's done and all that is a kid named Noah Sewell from uh, Orem, a uh, younger brother of Penny Sewell. He's a fantastic football player. I think he's going to pile up the offers and all that, and his mom works for BYU. A lot of standing there. You think with what BYU has done, they can get a kid like that. Um, to me, well, that's well, that's going to be my bellwether recruit this year. Well, you got Lance Reynolds who's coaching over there. You got yeah. Lance Reynolds Jr. who's you know coaching over there. I said recruiting, but they're coaching. These guys are over there. Coaching. These are long legacy time, you know, type of BYU coaches that have been there, and they're right there in the Orem camp, which makes you think, why don't they turn a few of these kids? Because Puka Nakai Nakua yeah. Nakua, uh, an unbelievable talent. Yes, he is, and he's going to Southern Cal. Yes, he is. Well, let's break down. Uh, let's break down this uh, Husky game, um, Jeff. Call the thing about the Huskies is they are good. They are fast. They are talented on defense, especially. I think um, that they they have some of the things that really could give BYU problems. They have a good defensive line. They can apply pressure without maybe having to come and bring a linebacker or a safety or corner on a blitz. They can stop the run. They're pretty good at it. They can cover in the secondary. They can get after receivers, knock them off the routes, play man-on-man, do a lot of different things. But offensively, I think Utah proved that they could be pushed around a little bit by a very physical defensive line, and that's what BYU has. Yeah, that's true. And I think uh, that first week of the season, we uh, we both watched that Auburn-Washington game. We came away really impressed with Washington and, and the physical style they play with and the speed they have. And uh, this this is probably going to be BYU's toughest test of the season so far, I think. Um, dealing with that speed, uh, playing up there in Husky Stadium. We've covered games up there. It gets loud. Uh, the fans get pretty raucous. I mean, it's going to be a very, very difficult challenge for this team. And, but, you know, I think we've talked about it before. We alluded to the fact that the style of play that BYU has, that could keep them in the game. If they don't make mistakes, uh, they, they could keep it close. Brandon Gurney. BYU seems to play better on the road. Yeah. Jeff and I go on those road trips. We see the support that they have. We've seen a tremendous effort at uh, Wisconsin. We saw them rise up in Arizona in the desert. And I, I would assume that they're going to do the same thing. I don't know if they'll win this game, but they will play very hard, I believe, because they're they're kind of disrespected. But at home, it seems like they get patted on the back. They come in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves them. they got wife and children and babies and mothers and fathers. And they just don't simply play very well at home. Or at least they don't seem to have the same fire and passion. Is this true? It seems to be. I, you just look at BYU's performances recently, and yeah, McNeese State, really? What, what was that? You're losing 3 nothing after the first quarter? Really? Uh, did you come out to play, or are you just kind of getting yourself warm in the water? I, I don't know, but uh, I, BYU's 17-point underdogs. I think they're going to cover that. I think they're going to be able to keep it close. I'm by no means going to say that they're going to win this game, just because Washington is the most physical team I've seen this year. I've, I've watched quite, quite a bit of football, and I can't think of a team that's more physical. Maybe Alabama, you know, your obvious answer. But but, but Washington, they're not really a Pac-12-style team at all. Uh, you're seeing consistency with them. And I think with BYU now being validated as a team that's quite a bit different than the 4-9 team, I, I don't think they're going to catch him sleeping, so I, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that BYU's going to come out of Seattle with a win, but I've been wrong in every single game this year, I, I, except for the McNeese State. I did predict a McNeese State win. Yay, Thanks, me. Man. So, 
Who knows? Who knows? But I do think that they'll keep it close, and I think they'll, they'll show relatively well. Well, if you're interested in picking and prognostications and guessing about games, go to DeseretNews.com and look at the Grid Picks. The Grid Picks is a game that we're doing. Uh, you can sign up for it. You can be a weekly winner. You can win a, um, a gift card. Uh, just go in there. There's 14 games. I pick those games. I choose those games. I try to include a, a mixture of national games and then the Pac-12 and, and Mountain West that seem key. And uh, just just go there. That's DeseretNews.com, Grid Picks. Our final word here. It's it's going to be an interesting trip. Uh, Jeff, you and I will be traveling to that game. We'll be leaving on Friday. Um, I'll leave a little earlier because I've got a daughter that lives up there and two little grandkids that want to see their papa. But I will be there. And uh, it's always great to go to Seattle. It's a great city, uh, kind of a, one of the more liberal cities in America next to Cal Berkeley. Um, there's a lot of uh, homeless people. If you go around that town, there's tents all over the place, but is a, it is a fan base that is very fired up, very proud of their Huskies. They expect to win this game. Um, I think BYU will go in there and be physical. I think when you're physical and capable of being physical that anything can happen. If you can ugly the, the, the game down, get some turnovers, that's BYU's best chance, I think, is to get some turnovers, keep the score close in the fourth corner, see if they can outlast them and make a couple of plays. Yeah, and like I said, Husky Stadium is uh... – is a tough place to play. It has a great view. And it's one of the best views in college football. Um, I've been up there for that game in 1996. BYU won 14 games that year. They lost one, and that was at Washington. 2008, we were up there for that game. Um, I think Washington ended up going winless that year, and BYU needed to have a fortuitous uh, penalty in their favor. And a block kick to win that game. Jan Jorgensen, right at the end. That's right, Jan Jorgensen. And I think BYU won ten games that year. So it's just it's just a given. It's a tough place to play. But like you said, I think BYU um, goes to this game having confidence, knowing that they can play well on the road. Um, they played before hostile crowds this year already and perform well. They've got that going for them. Uh, in the end, it's going to come down to can they make plays? Can they can they do the things that they're supposed to do? to keep this game close in the fourth quarter. And then if that's the case, if they get it close in the fourth quarter, anything can happen. But getting that point is going to be hard, but they can do it. Your final word. I want to get props to Ed Lamb. Is there a coach that had a worse preseason than Ed Lamb? I, I, I mean, from the Critchlow comments to the Merrill Hodge thing, whatever that was, he, he kind of had a bad look. There were a lot of fans that were kind of down on him, maybe some media types. But who's in charge of the special teams? Ed Lamb. They have been phenomenal this year. Every week I grade the, the team, I, I can't think of a, a lower grade that's justifiable than an A. This the, the special teams have been outstanding. Coverage units, punt units, punt return. They're getting yards on punt return, which isn't a, a, a typical thing for BYU. And then the kicker, holy cow, Skylar Southam, a 45-yarder or 47-yarder last week. They have a very good special teams, which is always a very underrated aspect of any football team. And Ed Lamb's in charge of that, and he research, he deserves a lot of props after a kind of an unusual and unfortunate preseason for the guy. But I think he's validated how good of a coach he is, at least in that regard, with how the BYU special teams are performing. Well, final word here. Um, let's get some predictions from you guys. Uh, think about it. Don't take a lot of time. I'm going to call on you right now. Let's go with uh, Jeff Call. I'm going to say Washington 31-17. Brandon? I'm going to go Washington 24, BYU 10. I'll go Washington 24, BYU 17. You're more optimistic. I, I'm always optimistic. Oh, you're such a homer, Dick. <laughs> always wow. that. 
and I'm accused of that. But I'll take it. Jeff Call, you've got an email for us. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a historic day for uh, Cougar Insiders Podcast. Oh we got our first email. You guys have no idea what this email says. Yeah, this says. isn't fair because Jeff's read it, so he's been yeah. prepping the whole show. I have show. no idea what it is, yeah, we, Jeff. We have right. to go and So I'm, I'm going to read this. I'm just going to read it and let you guys react to it. So this comes in from Don Miller. He says, enjoy the show la- Enjoy the show this week. A couple of things. One of you made reference to the developing backf- backfield saying they had not been exploited this year. Against Cal, there were two TD passes where the coverage was so bad, the receiver was open by 10 yards, 10 plus yards. Let's not get carried away. Second thing, I don't know why you guys are so kind in speaking about Mangum. To have the pivotal player on our team, just a game manager trying to stay hidden and not make a mistake is disgraceful. 89 yards passing when we are running well, therefore setting up the potential passing plays of play action is unacceptable. The misplayed defense on the double pass shows how much they were worried about the run. The receiver ran by all the defense and the, on the same side of the field. Great win, great Great team effort. Lots of young fellows stepped up big. Great coaching. Love, love, love the hope and fun we are having. But Tanner is a joke. Basically, always has been a joke with bad mechanics wow. and not checking more than one receiver. We may be fans, but don't take us lightly. We've studied the game as long as you. And while it's hard to pull pull a winning quarterback, let's at least give, get the kid in the game for when injury and or frustration forces the move. Again, from Don Miller. Dick, your reaction. Well, Don Miller, I think he probably speaks for a lot of BYU fans. If you go and, and hear the way people talk, they, they believe that Tanner should uh, be like uh, you know, something else. They want to see a, a Steve Young, a Jim McMahon. They want to see somebody do something that they've seen done. The problem with this thinking, BYU fans, is that the times have changed. Defenses have changed. These are NFL-influenced defenses that are covering with a lot of zone blitzes and things like that. But it's not... But you're not wrong in this aspect. Is it's not too much to ask that BYU find quarterbacks that can deliver the ball on time, that offensive lines that can protect a little bit better, the receivers that can go out and do things because it's it's a circus that has to be put together and choreographed. That's not happening. It's in the process of being happening, but it hasn't happened at BYU for a while. That's why they've run a, a Riley. Uh, O'Reilly uh, Nelson, that's why they've run a Taysom Hill, because they couldn't find the quarterbacks to do that. They're a hard commodity to get. Do they have them in their camp now? Maybe they do. But right now, I think going into this game, I think Tanner gives you the best opportunity to win against a veteran big defensive team. We'll see what happens down the line, but that's how I see it. Brandon, your thoughts? Uh, he, he, uh, he mentioned the, the, the defense not getting exploited down the field, right? I believe that's been a big story, and I maintain that. Maybe I was too absolute in saying they haven't been exploited. He, he gave two references, two, two out of, out of four games. I'm, I'm standing by my statement, Don. I, I believe the secondary's done a really good job of defending the long ball, and they are not getting exploited down, down the field against some pretty good, good offenses, and I think that's been a significant byline by for, for this season where you have a very young secondary that's doing largely a really, really good job of limiting big big play opportunities. So I'm standing by that statement. David, don't get too happy on us. Okay. Jeff, yeah. what do you think? Oh, I, I agree with uh, you know, Dick, I think what you said was right on. This is, uh, you know, if you've been following BYU football for 30, 40 years, what you're seeing now is different than what you're used to. And again, BYU wins now in a different way. And you need to um, understand that times have changed, and you've got to adapt, and that's what BYU is trying to do. Um, but he also points out that he's having fun. I mean, this is a lot better situation than BYU found themselves a year ago, and you got to enjoy, enjoy it while it lasts. 
three and one, ranked twentieth, but still Tanner Magnum can't play very well. <laughs> I don't know if I follow that. He can play better, but three and one, ranked number twenty. There you go. Hey, listen, it's been fun. You've been listening to the Cougar Insiders podcast here at Thanksgiving Point. We appreciate you being with us. We invite you to find this podcast, Cougar Insiders podcast, wherever you do find podcasts. Download it, subscribe to it, be a part of it. If you have any comments or questions and would like to uh, uh, write an email to us, you can do so at cougarinsiders at deseretnews.com. Join us next week for this podcast, Cougar Insiders podcast. We'd love to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you.